Who's excited for a little Christmas cheer? So good to have you with us here today. Uh, for those of you that don't know who I am, my name is Kevin, and I'm the online pe- pastor here at X Church, and it's so good. Maybe this is your first time in the room. I just want to be somebody, man, who just welcomes you. We hope that this is more than just a visit, but we hope that you found a community here that you want to be a part of. And here's what's cool is that there's a whole other group of people that even are watching this without being in the room, and that's our global fam online, and we just want to say hello to them. Thanks for tuning in with us. What's cool is, is that we have people watching, not just here, not just in Ohio, but that are streaming all across the country in the world. We have people in Detroit, Michigan. We have people in the surrounding areas. We've got people in Tennessee. We've got people in South Carolina, North Carolina, California, Texas. Uh, oh my gosh, I forgot all my states. Uh, is New York City a state? I'm joking. I'm joking. And we have people all over the country in the world that are tuning in with us today. And it's so cool to see what God's doing just through this uh, this place in just this small town, Canal Winchester, Ohio. So however you're tuning in today, we're so glad that you're here. Um, I have a question for all of you before you start. Have you been to the movies since they've opened back up? Anybody? It's all right. We won't shame you. You can just raise your hand if, if that's you. Uh, I love going to the movies. Anybody love that? Like it's just an experience, the whole process of it. It's actually like my go-to date spot. I don't know why. Maybe because the ambiance, you know, I take my wife there and you get to, you know, put the armrest up and snuggle up a little bit uh, if you're married. Uh, but <laughs> it's one of my favorite places to be. Um, but the last couple times I've been to the movie theater have kind of scarred me because I saw some bad movies. Um, have you ever seen a bad movie? Like, think right now, you know, of that movie I just want you to shout it out here in a second. But just think about that movie that you were just mad when you left. It's like, that's not what I came to see that for. I don't go to the movies to leave depressed like some of you people. It should be an artistic expression. It should make me feel happy. The movies, I want to I love the movie, but there's been a couple movies that I've really hated and uh, just some bad movies. Why don't you just shout one out? Anybody have a bad movie? Church appropriate. What? Titanic. Yeah, Scott loves the notebook, though. That's so sweet, Scott. <laughs> uh, listen, we've all seen some bad movies, and uh, if you would let me, I'm going to ruin a couple for you today. And if you hate when people ruin movies, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. So you have permission over the next couple minutes to put your fingers in your ear and go, la, 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 la. We actually have uh, earphones back um, in the, in the four years right there, so you can go back and get some of those. But here's two movies that I've seen that have just sucked. I mean, just horrible. I was so disappointed. The first one, Adrift. Has anybody ever heard of that movie? Yeah? Okay? No? Yeah? All right, listen. We went to see it because my wife had found it on the internet, and she's like, oh, we're going to go to the movies, go on a date, and I want to go see this love story, right? Let me tell you just a little bit about it. It's this... Uh, teenage girl and she's kind of wayward and she goes to like Tahiti or something like that and she gets these weird odd jobs. Anyway, she meets this uh, young man who's a sailor and he is actually partnering up with this rich couple who's going to pay him to sail from Tahiti to San Diego so their sailboat can go from here to there, okay? Um, well, they turn out to have this fling and they're in love and, and they, he asks her if she wants to go with him. And so 
Isn't that so cute? I mean, it's just a good start. And, and so they get on the sailboat, and they're just really connecting, and it's just this awesome relationship. And, you know, me and my wife are nuzzling our shoulders. And, and, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it comes this huge storm and this hurricane. And the sailboat gets shipwrecked. Okay, and it's madness. It's chaos. And, and the story turns from this love story to her trying to find um, her, her new lover. And she finally finds him, but he's really hurt. It's really bad. And the rest of the movie is the journey of her taking care of him over the next 40 days. And so you can imagine, you know, running out of supplies, out, you know, in the middle of the sea. They're sunburned and their lips are chapped and all this. And the movie climaxes when, when, when she gets saved. She gets rescued from the ship. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is a, a miracle. You know, they're going to spend the rest of, of the time happily ever after. They're going to start a family. It's going to be so cute. But the movie ends, here's the part where I'm going to ruin it. The movie ends by her realizing that she was hallucinating the entire time. Yeah, that's what I said. And and her lover was actually dead after the hurricane. And it's like, the end, what? I don't, it's disappointing. I left that movie mad, really mad. I'll do another one for you. Maybe you've heard of this one. La La Land. Yeah, that's what I said. Ah, I didn't want to go to that one, but it won all these awards. And yeah, so critically acclaimed. Anyway, I'm going to ruin this one for you too. Uh, here's what happens. Another love story. Can you see a theme in my life, my personal life? Anyway, another love story. Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, right? Emma Stone. And they have to make this decision as a couple, okay? Do we, uh, do we choose to spend the rest of our life together or do we choose to follow our dreams separately? What a novel decision to make. Isn't that so sweet? Well, they turn out they sacrifice their love for each other so that they could pursue their dreams. How sweet. And the whole movie there, you know, kind of goes and shows them doing their own thing. But the movie ends with this mirage of them kind of seeing each other and realizing that they could have followed their dreams and been together. <laughs> the end. And they weren't. What is disappointing? Who writes movies like that? I want to leave the movies happy. I don't know what bad movies you've seen lately, uh, but... 2020 has been kind of like a bad movie, hasn't it? Been a little disappointing. That's not what I thought it would be. First Kobe, and then it's just gone downhill from there. But it's been a, a, a bad movie, and, and that same feeling you get when you walk out of the theaters all disappointed is what I feel like I've felt after experiencing this year. And here's what's so funny. You know, we're like in the 11th month of this thing now, and and you look back and we've been in such survival mode that I bet you that you can't even remember one of your New Year's resolutions. Think about that. It's like, that seems so dumb now, doesn't it? It's like, I want to do 50 crunches a day. It's like, I have a lot of time to do that now. Uh, but it's crazy how, how disappointing this year has been. And, and when you think about the word disappointment, Really what it is, is when expectations go unmet. You know what I mean? You felt that feeling? Where my expectations for the year or for life this year or for my family this year have fallen short. Um, and, you know, there's some really optimistic people 
in my life. And if that's you, I love you. Thank God for you. Like, we need those people that are like, oh, you know, when life, you know, we, gotta, we still got to go to work every single day. And it's time to innovate. And even though it's hard, like, it's, it's going to be good. And, all that, and I'm so glad that you're optimistic. Like, we need people like you. But my worry is, is that even you have been disappointed this year. And what happens with this feeling, when, when we experience disappointment to this extent, my fear is, is that we just try to optimistically navigate our way through it, and we don't look at it and process it through the lens of God and what he wants to do in our lives spiritually and how he wants to grow us. That sometimes we can just be so uncomfortable with the pain of it all, and we'll just try to go straight through it. But I have some news for you, and you know this if you've you know, taken a few turns around the sun, is that you can't skip over pain. You can't skip over disappointment. And that if you're somebody who you just rather just skim by life and just never go to those deep, dark, scary feelings, then my, my concern for you, and I've done this at times, is that, is that you, instead of processing the disappointment personally that you will project your disappointment on the people around you have you ever done that have you ever just tried to keep things afloat and keep things uh, surviving in your life just make sure you keep bringing in that income and make sure your kids are just okay and you realize that there's this deep undercurrent churning of just kind of that's this year kind of sucks man it really does kind of suck. And talking about second lockdowns and all the things that are going on, depending on where you live around the country, it's just this, it's this, there's this sucky feeling that's kind of uh, riding underneath our lives right now. And here's what's interesting. And did you know that God wants to use all of that disappointment? Do you know that? That every ounce of disappointment that you feel... That God has a purpose and a plan for it. My question for you is, are you ready to look at it and process it and to engage in his plan for it? Are you ready to look at the deep, dark corners of your life, the thoughts that you only have when, when you're by yourself, when the kids are in bed? And, and Are you ready to look at those areas of your life? Are you ready to look at the disappointment of being a mom and, and you thought that this year would look one way, instead you're, you're trying to be the best homeschool teacher you, you could possibly be? I bet you that wasn't on your resolution list. You know, I bet you, small business owner, you weren't expecting to have to, you know, I, I'm just going to try to, uh, this year, I just really want to make sure everybody gets paid. <laughs> you know, this year I want to make sure I can get that, that government loan is that this year is full of expectations that have gone unmet. High schoolers who are, you know, maybe you play a sport and your seasons have been cut short or even canceled. I mean, you're only going to school twice a week. I mean, think about all the elementary. There's just this undercurrent of disappointment. And here's what I know is that the season God wants to use. And so what does God think about us when we are disappointed? So today we're going to be in John chapter 11. You can turn there on your electronic device if you brought a physical Bible. Either one's good. We'll have it on the screen for you. This particular instance is uh, the characters of this story, Jesus and some of his best friends. 
We've got this uh, group of siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Mary and Martha are in crisis. Uh, their brother Lazarus is sick, and so they did what, the only thing they knew how to do, and that was to call for Jesus, their friend. So let's jump in. It says, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village that Mary and her sister, uh, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Do you remember that story where Martha's making dinner for everybody and gets mad at Mary because Mary's sitting there at Jesus' feet and, and Jesus you know, tells Martha, no, she's doing what's right. Remember that story? Yeah, it's the same people. They're friends. They have a history. Whose brother Lazarus was ill. Verse 3, so the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, for it's the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That, it. that one confused me when I read it. Has the Bible ever confused you before? As you'd think, let's just recap this real quick. One of Jesus' best friends is in crisis, super ill, okay? His sisters frantically send for him. Verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he sprang up and put on his sandals and he got there as fast as he could. That would make more sense. But it says, so he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's weird. That's really weird. It, it, you read on in in this passage that, uh, that Lazarus was just two miles away from where Jesus was. So it makes sense if he was like across the desert, but he wasn't. He was only two miles away. So even if Jesus was like an above average power walker, he could be there in 36 minutes. So why didn't he go right away? Why did he delay? Why didn't he spring right into action? And it's hard to even contextualize this now because of the way we communicate, but let me try. Uh, I bet you Jesus was a really bad texter. Do you know anybody in your life who's a bad texter? If you're sitting by him, raise their hand up for him. I am a bad texter. I see your hands back there. I feel a connection with you guys right now. I'm a really horrible texter. And it's not, don't shake your head. It's not because I don't love you. It's just because I'm bad. I'm just, I, somebody will send me a message. Hey, how you doing? And I just will forget about it and not respond until the next Monday. And there's some people right now that I haven't, responded to their text so I'm so sorry I still love you please forgive me I bet you Jesus was a bad texter so I just tell people I'm trying to be more like Christ okay <laughs> and uh, Jesus when he gets word right contextualize it when he gets word he doesn't even respond he was a bad texter but even though I'm bad and Jesus was bad I bet you that there's a whole other level of texter that you know about that is super horrible I'm about to give you an education on it. I bet you half of you don't even understand this. But I did youth ministry for a while and they taught me how to do this. Did you know that there's this thing on your phone, I think, if you have an iPhone, maybe on Android, you have to fill me in later. It's called a red receipt. You know what a red receipt is? Shake your head violently if you know what a red receipt is. I can't read your lips. Uh, listen, a red receipt, it's when, when the other person receives a notification from your phone when you read it. Okay. Uh, so what happens when somebody, when you send somebody a text and they read it and they don't respond? You know, that's, being, that's, that's called, there's like a phrase now. 
Look on Urban Dictionary. It's called being left on red. Left on red. Has anybody ever left you on red? And I'm not talking about grandma because she doesn't know how to work her phone. <laughs> Has anyone left you on red? See, I'm a bad texter, but I would never leave somebody on red. I'd turn that setting off. You see, I've learned. <laughs> I bet you Jesus had his red receipts on. There's this whole thing, you know, ask any teenager in your life. I remember this one time I had, you know, being a youth pastor, Jesse, we can connect for a second, because uh, sometimes we'll have to console a young kid, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, who's just so upset because they're in a fight with their girlfriend. And so they will just send this super long text to them trying to make it better. You know, I've never done this, but... um, (laughs) The text is so long, you know, that it turns into a little mini book on your phone, you know. And so we'll counsel them, and, and they'll be crying. And be like, but, but she, she read it. And she didn't respond. And so the girls, they will go and turn on their settings just for that text, turn their red receipts on so they can leave their boyfriend on red and torture them by letting them know they read it, but they're not going to respond. It's cruel. You guys are cruel. If you're one of those girls, you can meet us across the hall and we'll pray for you after this experience. But what's horrible about this story is that Jesus left them on red. And my wife does this to me all the time. It's just not very important because usually I'm in the bathroom and I need some toilet paper. And she'll turn the red receipts on because just let me know that she saw and will not respond. Uh, but it's happened to me multiple times. I can remember uh, being at a conference and Uh, you know, for a whole bunch of family pastors in the area, and there's like this one guy who's kind of like the head guy of this, big deal, right? Um, And I got some FaceTime with him after this one session. And I was brand new in the role at the church, and I just wanted to learn and get better and make connections, just like you do. You want to network in your job. And so he gave me his personal cell phone number. Are you kidding me? I was on cloud nine. I was freaking out. Do you remember this? You were there. And I came back. And he said, hey, that's perfect. Just text me, and I'm going to send you a personal invite to an exclusive family pastor's gathering that's like only 50 people, and, and my team will connect with you. And you'll get him to take, I'm just freaking out. Like, oh, it's a huge deal. Like, uh, to get to meet all these people that I admire and look up to, you know the feeling. So I literally, you know, I didn't waste any time texting him. I like texting him as I was walking out of the room and looking at him, you know, just making sure he knew we were best friends. And, and so I texted him, go down to lunch, tell all my, the group that was, I was like, you would not believe, you just, I have his number. And he left me on red. Never heard from him since. Yeah. I'm not over it. I'm not over it. This is one thing well, I'm not going to say his name, Frank Bueller, leaves you on red. Don't mess with me. It's a whole other thing when Jesus leaves you on red. Has Jesus ever left you on red? Have you ever reached out to Jesus in your deepest, darkest time of need and the biggest crisis of your life only to get Nothing in response. I can remember the first couple times I prayed. Ever. You know, I'd heard about 
that growing up, and I put my shoes under my bed, and I got on my knees, and I remember, you know, so my great-grandma was sick, and I said, God, would you heal her, please? You know, and I've heard that you're a healer, and he didn't respond. Has, have you ever done that? And it's one thing when, when I don't respond to your text. It's a whole other thing when, when Jesus doesn't respond. And here's what I know is that we've all heard that, that he'll answer the prayers of an earnest man, right? We've all heard that, that he's answering things right now. But, but what happens when we don't feel that? What happens when you are so desperate for God to save your parents' marriage and they get divorced anyway? What if you have a sick child who the last resort is to pray and ask God to perform a miracle and to use doctors or whatever, just God, please just save my Save my, child, save my daughter, save my son. And what happens when the, the worst happens? God, I, it, it seems like I'm going to lose my job. God, I just pray, just yeah, help. I need you. And you lose your job. And your savings go out the window. And you feel like you can't provide for your family. Now what happens... When Jesus leaves you unread, it can get disappointing, can it? That there's something about disappointment that's super spiritual. Now we're just not navigating a disappointing year in the physical, but how many of you have felt the letdown spiritually? Because I have. And here we are, Mary and Martha are in the crisis of their life, and Jesus leaves them on red. Because here's what I've learned in every season, that when we go through the hardest times of our life, and I know and I see in your eyes that many of you, you're, you're right back there. And when we go through the hardest times of our life, that when we're crying out to God, here's what I know to be true in my life, and it's hard to believe, but I want to prove it to you today, that God will use your disappointments to teach you a deeper truth. Have you ever experienced that? Has everything been stacked against you? Has nothing ever made sense? But, but still, when you maybe some time has passed and you look back at, at your darkest hour, but you can see now that God was using that very thing that was tormenting you to teach you something deeper, something beneath the surface. And oftentimes, God will allow us to go through pain and God will allow us to go through suffering so that he can show us something new about himself. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has the ability to circumvent the process of the world in order to give a truth straight to your heart? Do you believe that? Do you believe he has the power? And do you believe he has the patience? Do you believe he loves you enough that, that he knows where you are and doesn't want to leave you in your pain and in your dread and your crisis, but he's actively trying to teach you something through it? 
Because for me, something lifts off my shoulders when I know that. That something lifts off my life, that there's burdens that, that I feel like are relieved when I know that God is working in every disappointment. And so Jesus, he finally arrives. Verse 17. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Lazarus is no longer sick, but Lazarus is dead. And he's been dead for four days. That's how long it took Jesus to respond. Now, Bethany, like we talked about, was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 24, Martha answered, I know he'll rise again, Jesus, in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, verse 25, no, I am the resurrection in the life. And the one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she replies. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world, you see Jesus is taking Martha's disappointment. It's teaching her a deeper truth about his character and who he is. And to be honest with you, sometimes when I'm disappointed, I react like Martha. Any long-time Christians in the room that sometimes disappointment comes your way and you can just, you can just spit out that Christianese thing, you know, now I can do all things. Through Christ who gives me strength. You know? You ever met people like that? Where something goes wrong in their life and they just got a verse, man. They can spit it right out. Martha represents me, honestly, when, when like my, my faith tank is full. Have you ever been through a crisis when you're just on fire for Jesus? You know, and you believe that God's moving? You know, when, when you experience a crisis or a letdown or a mess and you can approach it with this faith. And it encourages the people around you. Have you ever been Martha in a situation? Have you ever had other people leaning on you for strength? Have you ever been the one that's willing to go to Jesus in prayer and battle? Sometimes I'm Martha. And sometimes I think you're Martha too. In my life, uh, random, but two months ago, um, we got some news in my family that was like, just kind of gut punch, you know. And my grandmother was diagnosed with uh, cancer. And how many of you, you've ever been around somebody who has that kind of diagnosis and maybe they found something, but it'll take a little bit of time for them to figure out just how bad it is, you know, like that, that just a hell of a week, just scary, um, lots of fear, lots of unknown. Uh, how many of you have ever had to wait on a result or wait on a scan or wait on a test? And for some reason, um, I, when I heard about that, I, I just knew that, uh, and I'm not always like this, but I just had confidence that God was moving, that God was at work. Have you ever felt that before? Have you ever just been bold in your faith? And, and I remember we gathered around her and we prayed for her. It was just this collective confidence that, that God was going to heal her. And uh, two months later, 
She had surgery, and she didn't have to do radiation or chemotherapy, and she's cancer-free. And it was a miracle, and God moved. It was incredible. And sometimes it happens. And so when it comes to the disappointment of 2020, some of you are Martha. That's not bad. That's a good thing. We need Marthas in our life. I wish I was Martha more. But how many of you have been Mary? Mary didn't even come to the meeting. How many of you, when God disappoints you, it leads you just into doubt? God, I asked you, and you didn't. And so can you? Maybe your disappointment in God has led you to despair. Has that ever been you? Maybe your disappointment from God has led you to distance yourself from him. Is that you? Sometimes I'm not at all like Martha, and sometimes I'm like Mary. And here's Mary. Here we go. Um, Verse 28, after she had said this, she went back and called for her sister Mary. This is Martha. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary, grieving with her, comforting her, when they noticed how quickly she sprang up and went out, they followed her because they supposed that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. She was a mess. She was on the floor. That She pried herself off the ground just, just to go do something. And 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Same words. Different tone. Sometimes I'm Martha, but sometimes I'm Mary. That the same Mary who Jesus had favor on when she did what was right and worshipped him at the dinner. Remember that? The same Mary now finds herself at Jesus' feet, disappointed and angry at what he didn't do. How many of you have been Mary? How many of you have prayed and prayed and prayed, and it's happened multiple times that God would give you a healthy baby, but you've miscarried multiple times? And you're like, God, if, if you were God, then this would never have happened. How many of you have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for God to to heal your family member from cancer? To heal this young person in your life from from a disease and, and he didn't. And the worst happened. How many of you prayed and prayed and prayed as a kid that your one of your parents would stop abusing you? But there was never relief. And that when you reached out to God, he left you on red. And he didn't respond. How are we supposed to respond when Jesus disappoints us? And sometimes in my life, I'm Martha, but um, I remember feeling like Mary. It was crazy. I didn't even know this. Um, but on Thursday, it was 15 years, uh, 15-year 15 anniversary of my 
13-year-old cousin getting hit by a car. One, I think it was a Thursday night. Uh, he was doing nothing wrong. He's 15 yards away from his driveway. Car swerved off the road and hit him, killed him instantly. Um, and I had grown up in church. You know, this is my best friend. Uh, I'd grown up in church and I uh, thought I had a perception of God and it wasn't somebody who would allow that to happen. You know? And it's crazy how you can... I was 10 years old when that went on. I was 10 years old. And I, and I think about it every single day. And that sometimes, uh, sometimes your disappointment just leads you to doubt God. And it'd be one thing if, if that tragedy was, you know, the only thing that had happened. But what's crazy was 11 months prior to that November night was um, my cousin, his dad, uh, died of a very curable lymphoma cancer. So it was my uncle, his dad, um, who we would gather around and all of our family, you know, people of faith, and we were praying, you know, just for his recovery. And um, this is all local. It's happened right down the street. And praying for his recovery and praying for God to move. And, um, and what we just prayed for his cancer. And then all of a sudden he's allergic to the chemotherapy. And then all of a sudden he's on a ventilator. And then three months later, um, I remember being 10 years old and sitting with my same cousin, um, and our, all of our family, when the doctors came in and told us that he, you know, he only had a couple days. And so sometimes I'm Martha, and sometimes I'm Mary. And talk about a one-two punch for, for my perception of God. Isn't it funny how something can happen to you so young, and it can stick with you in such a profound way? And it's been, what's been hard about processing this year, even as I'm writing this message, is that I know it's 2020, but all the disappointments of this year, um, I feel like have only reminded me of the disappointments that I haven't processed from 15 years ago. And how easy it is to just want to get over something. And sometimes it's good to be Martha and say, no, but God, you're using it. And sometimes, God, you're, you're, you're you know, um, you're working through everything. But sometimes, uh, sometimes he just wants you to sit in it. That do you even, because I didn't, do you even know how to process those? Do you know how to process this deep grief and this deep loss that doesn't make any sense? And a good God wouldn't do that. And here's Mary saying, God, I, how could you? If you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. And through all of that, where's God in the pain? Where's God when it hurts? Where's God when you're at your lowest, when you can't get off the floor? And I know you don't want to talk about it because we give all these appearances off in church. Like everything's fine and yeah, God has just used me. But sometimes things hurt. And maybe the people around you don't know how deep and dark it's been. But God knows. And God sees. And some of you have been holding on to resentment towards God for too long. And some of you, maybe God grinded a whole year to halt. So that he could press in on the things he wants to heal you from. 
and the things he wants to teach you. He wanted to teach Mary a deeper truth, but here's what he taught. Or teach Martha a deeper truth. Here's what he taught Mary. That God will use your pain to show you his proximity. God will use your pain. God will use your pain. God will use your pain. I feel like somebody just needs to hear that. That your pain is not worthless. That God will use every ounce of pain to produce. He'll he'll use it to show you just how close he is. And so if you feel like God is far, maybe that's the greatest indication that he wants to reveal to you. His empathy and how close he can get. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, she was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Jesus was. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. In verse 35, this is your homework for next week to memorize this extremely complicated verse. That Jesus wept. Jesus wept. How profound is it? The sovereign God of the universe who could have stopped this mess before it had even started was willing to meet Mary in the depth of her pain and cry with her. And I'm a guy, I don't cry. So this would never be helpful for me. I'm kidding. Guys, you need to cry. But did you know that Jesus wants to get in your business? And it's not enough to trust that God is sovereign and he's this puppeteer that's orchestrating everything together. It's not enough. But how much does it change your perspective of him? And when you think about that time where you were at your lowest, when you couldn't get out of bed, that Jesus emotionally wants to get right there with you. That changes my entire perspective of him. That he wanted to prove the point to Mary that it's not enough for me to just answer you. That I'm not always going to work exactly the way that you need me to work. Martha, it's not always going to be the same thing. I'm not always just going to answer every prayer. But here is my promise is that I will work all things together. And man, God wants you to hear this word with all this rain that's happening. It's a monsoon. We can have church for three hours longer so you don't have to walk walk out in the rain. You're welcome. But God wants to use every ounce of pain to show you part of his character. Did you know that? Did you know that God wants to reveal things about himself to you? You see already in the story that Jesus revealed to Martha that I'm just not somebody who, who tells you there will be a resurrection, but I am resurrection. That resurrection is not an event, but resurrection is a person, and that person is me. And if you believe in me, that's when you'll find life. And he wanted to teach Martha that, that sometimes you'll go through pain, but here's what's true. What you need to know is that I will meet you right there in the depth of your pain. That God will use your pain. Sometimes I've been Martha, and sometimes I've been Mary. But here's what I've learned is that God will use God will use, here it is again, your pain to help others. Do you know that? That God will use your pain to help the people around you. Verse 38, it says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. 
It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, but by this time there's gonna be an odor. He's been dead for four days. But Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. Sound familiar? And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I knew that you would always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said, unbind him, let him go. That Jesus has the power and has the authority to take what has discouraged you, to take what has disappointed you and raise it back to life. Did you know that? That Jesus has the power that whether or not he does it on your timing or whether or not he does it at all. When I read the scripture, one of the questions I ask God, I'm like, God, why, why, why did Lazarus even have to die in the first place? That's a really cruel thing that you'd make Lazarus die, somebody that you love just to prove a point. Like, is that your heart? Is that your nature? But here's what's true about Jesus. And here's what's true about the world, that even though bad things happen to good people, here's what we can know about, about Lazarus, is that Lazarus may have been healed one time, but he ended up dying again. My point is, is that just because God did a temporary miracle doesn't mean that that supersedes his ability and his nature to perform eternal miracles. Do you understand this? Now, why does God do bad things? Why does God allow us to experience years of 2020, these bad movies that we find ourselves in? It's because God, the God of the universe, that he has a perspective that's hard for us to understand. And that he has prepared a place for us. Then John's revelation he says it this way, that he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, that there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away because he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And so I wanna encourage you today that even if you feel mad at God for not performing a temporary miracle for you, that the work of Jesus has solidified for you and for me, that there is an eternal one waiting for every single person in this room if you believe it and if you take a step. And I know it's hard to comprehend. And I know it's hard to make sense of, but God is, I promise you, God is, he's using your pain, he's using your disappointment to teach you a deeper truth about himself, that he's using your pain to show you just how close he wants to get if you would just accept it. And he wants to do something through you that will build a testimony to the people around you. Paul says when he writes to the Corinthian church that may we experience the God of all comfort when we suffer persecution of all kinds because that's what teaches us to comfort other people. That it's hard to pour out what you've never received from God. I know that's a hard truth to hear, but here's the deal. Like God is filling you up with the things you need for the battle ahead. And sometimes if you've ever felt in that despaired moment, in that dark place like me, all I needed was somebody who was willing to tell their story 
that was the same as mine. I needed somebody to encourage me with some hope. And let me tell you that there is somebody going through what you went through that is waiting for you to, to work through this disappointment. That's waiting for you to see God in it. That's waiting for you to see the perspective of Jesus on, because you have a testimony. Because you have a story. In every piece of pain, every ounce of pain, God wants to produce something in you. The question is, are you going to process that disappointment with him? Because he's inviting you into it. Would you stand with me? We're going to close. And the reason we can trust God is the fact that, did you know, that he is a thorough Savior? Now, why did God delay when it came to healing Lazarus? Why did God wait to do what we'd hoped that he would do is because he's really thorough. When you think about all the bases that he hit just to prove a point to ultimately perform a miracle, what if God was doing the same thing right now? What if God has already done that for you? And then you see, when God created humanity, he saw that not just the world would fall short of our expectations, but the truth is, is that we fall short of God's expectations. And maybe you're in the room and when we talk about disappointment, it's not really the things that have happened this year. More so, you think that God looks at you and is disappointed with you. How could God not be disappointed with me? I've made so many mistakes. I've made so many decisions that are wrong. I've sinned so much. And, and it's really hard to understand how God could ever use you. But what I'm gonna tell you is that God has grace for you. I'll tell you about the story of Jesus, that when God recognized that humanity needed atonement for its sin, that there needed to be a blood sacrifice for everything that we've ever done wrong, past, present, and future, he didn't just stand by idly and leave us on red, but he pointed to his son, his one and only son, and he sent him into the world to put on flesh. So God became man to bear the weight of what it meant to be human, that God is fully human and he's fully God. And what that means for you and me is that he's felt every emotion you could feel. He's felt betrayal. He's felt, you know what, he even died a death that only a murderer deserved, that he hung on a cross, he was executed, even though he was sinless, that he who was no sin became sin. And he hung on a tree was spat on, mocked, flogged, not for his wrongdoing, but for mine and for yours. And there was a moment in the ninth hour where he experienced the disappointment of his father so that we didn't have to. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? translation that word forsaken means abandoned so that for a second God abandoned Jesus just like he should have abandoned me so what does that mean for you that means that Jesus has never abandoned you that God has never abandoned you that when you're on the floor and you can't get up and when you're so angry at him that he can take it there's nothing you've done that could separate you from the love of Jesus Have you acknowledged to him that, that you want to work through this disappointment?
Have you ever made him the Lord of your life, the Lord of your heart? Have you ever said yes to this process? Have you ever said yes to, to his plan? Have you ever said yes to his perspective? And I believe there's many of you right now that, that it's time for you. The Spirit of God is leading you to make a decision to change your life forever. And so when you go through seasons like 2020, when you go through seasons like Mary did and Martha did, that you can have a heavenly perspective. And that God will use it to change not just you, not just your family, but the people around you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for every single person represented in this room. God, I feel the weight of the disappointment and all the things that were never to be, that were grieving, not just this year, but I'm talking lifetime. And so God, I know that by your spirit, you're showing us just how close you are. Your word says we're two or more gathered. There you are, that you will meet us. And I believe that you're meeting us in this room. And if you feel that in your heart, you sense that in your spirit, that God's drawing you towards him, that's real. And he's showing you right now that that the blood that Jesus shed on the cross is all that God sees when he looks down at you. That he's not disappointed in you, but that he sees Jesus when he looks at you. That's what covering means. That's what atonement means. That's what Jesus' blood means. That when God looks from his perspective, all he sees is the complete and finished work of Jesus. And he bore the weight of our sins. And not only that, but they put him in a tomb just like Lazarus. And they put him in a tomb for, for three days. But Jesus doesn't just empty tombs from the outside. He can empty them from the inside. And so right now, he's emptying the inside of your heart of all the things that you've desired from your entire life. And he's making space for him. And so would you invite him into your soul? You just say the simple prayer with me. Father, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. That God, I am a disappointment. That I do fall short. We all fall short of your glory. But right now I accept Jesus as, as my Savior. I accept Jesus' work as paying my sin in full. And God, right now I ask you to take residence, to move into my heart and change me from the inside out. That I commit, even though I don't know exactly what it looks like, I don't know what tomorrow looks like, I commit God to follow you for the rest of of my life. I believe that there's people in this room who you said that prayer and you know if it's you and every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm just, I'm going to challenge you. Just flip your hand up. Nobody's going to see but me. I want to pray for you. I want to see. I see hands already. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Lift your hand up. I see it. You know that God can even see your hands that are half raised, that God's doing something right now. I see so many hands. You're not alone, that God's moving online. If that's you, click a button, do what you gotta do. Acknowledge to God that you made a decision today. Thank you, amen, so many. God, we thank you for who you are, God, that, that when things seem dark, when things seem bleak, God, that they're not for you. I thank you that we can borrow your perspective on a broken world, that we can borrow your perspective in an anxious time, that we can borrow your perspective when we don't know what's next. So God, would, would you give us peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding and we know and we believe that right now that you are making a way where there is no way that you're making all things new and so God we trust you it's in your name we pray and everybody said together amen amen come on let's celebrate all the hands that went up today